All righty, everybody good? That was good, wasn't it? Y'all stand up for a minute. Let's just uh, stretch. Yeah, there you go, stretch. God stretch us. Hey, you know what you do when the devil hits you in the stomach? You know what to do? You hit him in the mouth. <laughs> you know, that's really what you got to do when he hits you in the stomach. How many people feel like the enemy's hit him in the stomach recently? You know, when you get hit in the stomach, you get the, the breath knocked out of you. what happens. And, uh, but, you know, you can't really knock the Holy Ghost out of a person. And that's really what the enemy does, is he really tries to knock the Holy Ghost out of us. And a lot of times he'll punch us in the belly when we're not really suspecting it. But you, if you'll just punch him back, okay, punch the devil back, not, not a person, but him. Uh, you know how you do that? You, for, you forgive people. You bless people. If people are involved in it, you praise the Lord. Okay? That's what you do. And then when you go home, you get with Jesus and you can just fall apart in His presence. Okay? And He'll, he'll really bless you for doing that. I just felt like that was something that needed to be said this morning. Because I feel like the enemy's trying to punch people in the stomach. Amen. All right, you can sit down, or you can stand through the whole message. I promise it won't be that long. Uh, well, I'm going to try to do better on this message than I did in the first service. I was just too wild in here. You know, that was really good last week at church here in the second service. was the most heavenly realm time that we've ever had in this church. Now, we've had other times where... It was wild and, you know, but that last week was the heavenly places getting released in a corporate way. That was good, wasn't it? If you love that kind of stuff. If you don't, you should repent, honestly, and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't love it, but I want to. And God will give you love for the heavenly places because that's where you're going one day. It's just, you're going to live there. And I love the heavenly places. Amen. Okay, I want to read this, uh, let me uh, tell you, um, verse chapter 3, I think I gave them wrong verses up there in the, when I sent them to them, but they're very, Mildred's very forgiving, everybody who does overhead, they're very forgiving people when they work with me, because I change my mind on a regular basis, I send them stuff constantly that's not right, and, but they're, they have mercy on me. But Ephesians 3, verse 1 uh, for this reason, everybody say, for this reason. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. And then in verse 14, it says, for this reason... I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, what I want to talk to you about um, is how to be a dynamic. I'm doing a how-to message. I'm always talking about don't do how-to messages. Well, this is a how-to message. How to be a dynamic and effective Christian. How many people would like, to, would like that? You would like to, be, you'd like to have a dynamic spiritual life. You would like to be effective in your, in your Christian life. You don't want to just be a pew warmer or a seat warmer. You don't want to just be a Sunday morning kind of Christian. 
Uh, you don't want to be a person who just comes to church looking, needing, you know, needing a fix, so to speak, all the time, and then go back and just come dragging in. And but you're you're bringing something with you, okay, when you walk in the door. Amen. I mean, we really are. But I'm telling you, God really wants to really release people. Well, Paul Paul was a person like that. Jesus was a person like that. Peter was a person like. And, and this is this is a real secret. There's some secrets that Paul revealed about himself. In these verses, there's several things that Paul had on board that a lot of us need to have on board in our Christian life. And the, so I want to tell you about one of those things this morning. And it's for this reason, that little phrase there that I read to you two times. Paul had a reason for doing what he was doing. Okay? If you look at that in the original language, it means, literally it means four calls. Four calls. Or for us Englishmen, it would be for this cause. In other words, Paul had a cause in his life. There was something motivating Paul, causing him to do what he was doing. He wasn't just trying to be a good Christian. He had something that was burning on the inside of him. He had this expansion thing. The only way I can describe it spiritually, the way it feels to me on the inside, it's like God, how many people here feel like they have a calling on their life? Okay? You feel like you have gifts, you have anointings, right? Well, there's something beyond that. I'm going to just tell you that right now. There's something beyond that. There's something else that God really wants to get us to connect with spiritually. Okay? And it's, and it's like, it really is a, an, an expansion on the inside where God wants to drop something into us. And it's a cause. Because when a person who has a cause, their life is different. Those are the most effective Christians there are. They're not just going through the motions and living their Christian life. They've got something burning in them. They've got something motiv motivating them that's causing them to do things. And that's really what was going on in Paul's life. He said, this is, and that's what he said, for this reason or, you know, or for this cause, this is what I'm doing. And he actually tells us what his personal cause was. Uh, it's in verse, uh, I'm going to read verse 7 and 8. He said, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effecting working of His power. Let me just say this about that word cause. The word cause, you spell it in the Romanized uh, Greek, which is what we use when we look at Greek New Testaments and stuff. We use Romanized, or you couldn't figure out what it was. It just looks like a bunch of hieroglyphics is what... Greek looks like. So they Romanized it so we could understand it. It's C-H-A-R-I-N. That's how you spell that word call. C-H-A-R-I-N. You know how you spell the word grace? C-H-A-R-I-S. So really a cause is, comes from the same root word as grace. You know what cares? C-H-A-R-I-S. Matic. M-A-T-I-C. Charismatic is a gift of grace. You know, people put down people, you know, don't everybody, if somebody badmouths charismatic, slap them. <laughs> They're badmouthing grace. I, I've got into that. People used to, I used to claim I was not charismatic, but now I've just jumped into the charismatic world. I'm totally charismatic. I'm into it because grace, grace, the gift of grace. That's a good, good world to be in. So what Paul said about this, this call saying, it's a grace thing, and that's what Paul said. He said, I became a minister according to the gift of grace. Now, he's not talking about being an apostle. He's not talking about, he's talking about something that God put in him to do. And this is what it is in verse 8. To me, who am, least, who am less than the least of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach 
among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That was Paul's cause, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, for you and I today, that doesn't sound like a, a major thing. Because there's people preaching all the time. But in that day, that was major. That caused Paul his life. That caused, caused him to be murdered. It caused him to be imprisoned. It caused him all kinds of trouble. And that's the reason. But the reason he could do what he did is because he felt this thing in him motivating and, and drawing him and driving him in a sense, in a positive way, to do this. Okay? And that's what made, that was part of what made him such a dynamic person and such an effective Christian. Are y'all, are y'all following me on this? Now, this is really going to be important for us going further because I believe what I sense in my heart, I, see, I sense that expansion in me. I sense, I sense in me there's something more that God has. There's something great. It's not just about gifting. It's not just about the church. It's not just about anointing. It's not just about having an office, you know, like Jesus was a... You know, Paul was an apostle. They had an office. But it's beyond that. It's something more than just that. Are y'all following me? And God has it for all people. And if we're not operating in that, then we're, gonna, we're not going to be a very dynamic Christian. I'll just tell you that. Let me, let me just read uh, John eighteen thirty seven. 37. Um, this is, a talk, this is uh, when Jesus was before Pilate when he was going to be crucified. Uh, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king? Jesus answered and, and said, Jesus answered, You say rightly that I'm a king. Now, I want to tell you right now, you take that word rightly does, is not in the original language. Okay? It's italicized, and it's not from the Old Testament. It was a word that was added by, the, in, by their translators to, to try to make the verse more readable, but it should not be in there. That word rightly, because Jesus was not saying, you're right. He, he just said, this is how it should read, you say that I'm a king. That's what he's really saying. You say I'm a king. See, Jesus, when he first came to the earth, he did not come here to be the king. In fact, they tried to make him a king at one point, and he slipped away. Okay, he was not interested in being a king then. He was interested in being a savior. He was interested in saving mankind. He was interested in revealing the Father's heart. He wasn't interested in, in, in taking over as the king. Now, when he comes back, he's going to come back as the king, obviously. The second coming of Christ, he's coming to take over. But at that point, he was not interested in taking over anything. At that point, he was just saying, you said, you say I'm a king. I'm not saying I'm a king. And then he says, then he explains, this is why I came. This is my cause. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So you see, Jesus had a cause. His cause, his cause according to his words, was to bear witness to the truth. I'm going to come and reveal the truth, what's really going on, what's really happening. Are y'all tracking with me on that? I just wanted to just get you to see something that Jesus had a cause. It wasn't to be a king. That was where everybody else was claiming he was. He wasn't claiming kingship. He was claiming, I just come to tell the truth. I come, and tr- come to reveal the truth. That was my cause. Peter had a cause. His cause was to, 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 to preach the gospel to the, to the Jewish nation. Okay, so what I, I, I just went through a bunch just to try to get you to see the biblical foundation 
the people in the Bible that were the most dynamic believers had a cause. There was something motivating them. They had something on board that most many of us really don't really have going. All right. Y'all are just looking at me. Y'all are worrying me, man, the way you're looking at me. You know? All right, let's look, turn to Second Peter 2. And uh, let me read something about a famous person named Lot. Everybody knows who Lot is in the Bible. Just in case you don't know, there was Abraham, the father of faith, and he had a nephew named Lot. And because God prospered Abraham and made him a wealthy man had a lot of livestock, he prospered a lot also. So if you want to be prospered, hang around with somebody who the favor of God's on because it will sort of spill over into your life. It's the truth. You just get around people who's got favor, you're going to get under that favor cloud. That's going to start, you know, stuff's going to be attracted to you from heaven. So Lot got real wealthy and had a bunch of cattle. You know, I think it was sheep they actually had. But then the, the employees started fighting each other. And so Abraham said, this is not good. You know, we're going to have to do something because the land's not big enough for both of us. We've gotten too big and prosperous. So Lot, you pick a spot, I'll pick a spot, and then I'll take what's left. Lot picked to go down to Sodom you know, in the Bible. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, bad places. All right, so he moved down there. And this is what the New Testament says about Lot in verse 7, 2 Peter 2 uh, it's talking about the Lord able to deliver a person out of a bad situation. And it says, in, just in verse 7, it says, And he delivered righteous Lot, everybody say righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Okay? For that righteous man dwelling among them, tor it tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So, he was living in this place, and it was tormenting to him. He was uncomfortable. He didn't like it. But guess what? Lot, he was not tormented enough. He wasn't provoked enough to do anything. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. Lot became comfortable in the environment that he was living in. He became settled in the environment that he was living in. And although it was, it was rough on him, although it was difficult on him, it never provoked anything in him. It never woke him up. His heart never really got touched where he said, this is wrong. This is, this is, there's, something needs to happen. Something needs to change. And so what happens to a lot of believers is we are living in a world that's bad. And I think a lot of us are concerned about our country. A lot of us don't feel good about things that we see. And we don't, a lot of us feel, don't feel good about things that are happening in our nation. But how many people feel provoked enough, they, don't, they feel something on the inside of them that's greater than just trying, well, I just feel like God's called me to be a worship leader. And I'm just going to focus my life on being a worship leader. Not seeing there's just something even beyond it. Not that you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying we've got to get past this ABCs of Christianity and come into something greater because God's placed us all here to come into something greater. And note it said that the Bible was not saying Lot was not a righteous man. It says he was a righteous man, but that even though he was a righteous man, Lot was getting pulled into the society that he was living in. The society was, 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 had him locked down Okay, without even realizing what was happening to him, he was getting, you know, he was being affected by his culture. Even though it was bothering him, he was messed up about it. He was pulled into it. He was held captive by where he lived. 
And I'll show you that in just a minute, uh, but I want to give you this little illustration that really sticks in my mind, and I think it's, and it really applies to a lot of us, is we are in this society, and we live in this society, but we are so embedded in this society, we are so embedded in living and doing our lives, that, we, that we've lost touch with what's really happening, and we're not hearing what God is saying Okay? We're not really paying attention to the spirit world. We're coming to church, you know, and doing, doing things like that. But we're not moved. Nothing's moving us. You hear what I'm saying? And we want to have experience with the Lord. I'm talking to people who love to have experience. I'm talking to me. I love having experience. And I'm going to pursue those. But something has to go beyond that. Something has to begin to move me. And that's where these things will take you. They'll bring you into a place where you feel moved in your heart. You feel something from heaven tugging on you. That there's something in your life that you were placed on this earth for, not just to come and repeat what you do week in and week out, week in and get up every morning, go to work, and go through the day, come home at night, and nothing ever changes around you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So this, I've been working on this place in my yard where it's, a, it's like trees and stuff, and there's these vines that have grown up around the trees. And these are big trees. And these vines are big vines, big as your arm at least. Okay, and what these vines have did, they've wrapped themselves around the tree. Sometimes, in some, they're so embedded in the tree. Okay, and, and out of this, this one vine, I found this one, I found the main vine where everything was coming from. And out of that came like vines everywhere. And they're killing the trees. And I cut the vine and I tried to pull them out of the tree. I hurt myself trying to pull them out of the tree. It's impossible to pull them out of the tree because even there's some places where the tree has grown around the vine. And see, a lot of, and it's killing the tree. And, and so it's like slowly but surely choking the tree to death. Okay, so that's really sort of like a lot of Christians. They're living in the world, just the business of life, the daily things, they're raising their kids, they're trying to make a living, trying to make ends meet, trying to do what they need to do. But they're righteous people like Lot, yet they're being slowly choked. And they're not hearing God the way they're not hearing the bigger things of God. They're not hearing the greater things of God, the calls that God has called Christianity into. In this nation, the church, like the church has a cause. And we're not hearing that. So we're, we're, we're dying slowly. You know, a lot of people are in a state now where they're so wounded in their heart. You know what I'm saying? Because this is a heart thing. This is something that speaks into your heart. And if your heart's all messed up, if you're wounded in your heart, you're not going to hear it. Okay? You have this emotional detachment of what's going on around you because you're so just struggling and so beat up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You go through situations. Like we go through situations where bad news will come and it literally will be like you get punched in your stomach. And you're, you're down for a moment. Okay? The problem is you can't stay down. You know, if you stay down, you know, you begin to become emotionally detached. Somehow or another, you had to get up when you're punched like that. At some point, you had to get up. You, you can't just stay down. And so a lot of Christians do, and their heart gets disconnected from what's really happening around them and, in, in the, and what God really has meant for them to do with their lives. Are you all all right? all right? Let me read Genesis 19 about Lot. Am I doing better on this one than I think the first people think? Dang, he's crazy, man. He's lost his mind. See, what I feel right now, I feel this pretty strong. I feel it's, it's, it's something different. I don't really know how to describe it. I feel like it's something different. 
Another level that God wants to bring us into. Something greater. And it's not about just having a ministry. You know, you can have a ministry. You should have a ministry. It's not about having an anointing. It's not about having a calling. It's something beyond that. And that's where God is trying to bring the church into. It's, it's into that cause that He has in the earth. So here's what happened a lot. Now imagine this. Okay, here's what happened. Is the Lord sent these angels to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm, I'm done with Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, basically that's what they said. We're fixing to destroy it. But because you're the father of faith and you're the friend of God, we want to let you know what we're about to do. That's the great benefit of being hooked up with the Lord. Is I'm fixing to do something down the road. I want to tell you, and oh, by the way, your nephew's down there living. You know, so you did need to know that. And we're going to go see him, and we're going to go get him, and we're going to drag him out before the fire and brimstone fall. So these angels go to, Lot, to, to Sodom. And they go to, Ab- to Lot to get him and tell him, listen, the Lord's going to destroy this place. You're going to have to leave it. In the morning, we're getting out of here. Let me tell you how wicked the place was. The place was so wicked that it says the men of the place saw the angels. Of course, they looked like men. And they went to Lot and said, we want these guys. You know why they wanted them? To know them in a, quote, biblical way. They were, it was perversion. That's how perversion, how perverted the city was. How perverted the men in the city were. They were trying to get the angels and Lot even offered his daughter, look, don't do that, man. Here, take the daughter. You can have the daughter, but do not mess with these guys. <laughs> you don't want to mess with these guys. Of course, they, you know, didn't, you know, Lot was doing what he could do. Uh, you may have some issues with him offering his daughter because the angels could have beat him up. But he was, but this is what it says. That's another story. Just don't even think about that right now. It says, when morning t- dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, arise Take your wife, your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. Now think about it. You have angels talking to you. Angels from heaven. You see them. You hear them. And they're getting you out of there. And guess what it says? And while he lingered. Righteous man he was, but he was lingering. Because why? Because, because his life was sunk, in, sunk into that society. You hear what I'm saying? How much of our lives are sunk into our society? So much so that we don't realize it's those vines that wrap around us. And they're holding us. And the New Testament talks about the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. And they wrap in, they, they embed themselves in our lives. And in some places, we don't even know they're there. We don't even see them because we've grown over them. And we've grown. We're, the trees are big trees. We're righteous People, according to the Bible. But something has grown in us and we don't realize it to the point the angel's saying, you've got to go, you've got to go. And you're lingering you're, because you're holding on to something. Are y'all following that? He had no cause there. If that man would have had a cause, he wouldn't have been doing that. In fact, if he had a cause, maybe none of this would happen. Or maybe he would have just said, i got to get out of here. Are y'all following that? A couple of people are. The men took hold of his hand. They grabbed him. Angels had to drag him out of Sodom. And the Bible says he was a righteous man. But angels had to drag him out of the world that he had sunk himself into. That he had allowed to grip his heart and grip his life. And, and I, I would say this. I believe the reason is because is that man was not living with, with, with the, the cause, the cause. He may have been righteous, but he had nothing really working in him beyond 
I'm living my life. I'm doing business. I'm doing my daily thing. Okay? And that's really what I'm trying to say to you. If we're doing that, then there's a deception in our life. And we will never be that dynamic, effective Christian that God's called us to be. And we can give a, 101 reasons, you know. Uh, but in the end, we don't want to be deceived. I mean, I don't anyway. Are you all okay? All right, let me turn to First Samuel. Let me show you this. All right, now this is interesting. This is, y'all know this story. It's, if you've been in church as a little child, you were told this story many times about David and Goliath. And you remember, David was anointed king. In other words, God had called him. God had put something on him, but he, he, wasn't, in, he wasn't functioning as a king. And so one day his dad said, you know, take your lunch to your brothers who were in the army. Uh, and they were out there in the field, and they, had this, they were lined up for battle. And, they, and Goliath was over there mocking them and talking all this big talk and saying, you know, send me your best guy over here, and we'll fight, and whoever wins the fight. That country rules. That was a, it was a national threat that was going on with Israel. A national threat. And David gets there and he says, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, he's hearing all this. What's going on? And his brother, his oldest brother, just started just jumping on him. Jumping all over him. Told him he was insolent. And, you know, we know you. Your heart ain't right. You know, just bringing criticism to him. And, and uh, you know, and, dis, and David's thing was, wait a minute, is there not a cause here? Okay, now here's what you got to get. There's two things. One is criticism, okay? Is here's how you can tell that you don't have a cause. I believe this with all my heart, because I've lived this. If you're critical a lot about what other people are doing. If you come to church every Sunday and you're critical about what people are doing, if you see people doing things really trying to assert, and you, all you have is criticism about it, you've got an issue, you know, you really do. In other words, what we've got to do is we've got to really realize, you know, we, well, here's what happened to me. Chuck Moore one time said this to me. I was criticizing somebody about what they were doing ministry. And he says, I like the way they're doing it better than the way you're not doing it. That's what he said to me. I like the way they're doing it better than the way you're not doing it, Byron. In other words, I, saw, I felt the sword of the Lord hit my heart that day. I realized that moment I'm being critical. But I'm sitting here just, you know, examining what these people are doing, and they're putting all the effort in, and I'm just finding fault with what they're doing. So if you have that in your heart, then you need to really look at what kind of cause do you have in your life. Maybe you don't have one, and maybe you think your cause is to criticize what everybody else is doing. That's no cause. You know, <laughs> I learned a big lesson that day. And so that's one thing. And the other thing is intimidation. The enemy's going to try to intimidate you. That's what was going on with David. He was trying to talk him out of intimidate him because this is his big brother you know big brothers can have some pretty powerful influence i don't know if you ever had one but you know you sort of listen to your big brother it's like the next thing down from your daddy is your big brother really in your family like it's like daddy minus one you know <laughs> so it has some weight on what they're saying and they were just really chewing to him and see that's really what the enemy wants to do is intimidate people from really fulfilling the thing that God's put in them to do and tell you all these things why you can't do it. But David didn't listen to that, so he went to Saul and said, Listen, I can take this guy. I can take him. And Saul said, No, you can't. You know, this guy has been a warrior from his youth, and you're but a youth. In other words, this guy, that's all he's done with his life is fight, and you're a daggone shepherd boy. You can't take this guy on. But this is what David said. Let me read it to you. It's in verse 33 somewhere. Yeah, it says, 
And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against the Philistine, the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a, Now listen, keeping the father's sheep, that was his job. That was his daily life. That was what he was doing in his life. Okay, and he says, And when the... It, uh, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. In other words, David went into that situation very prepared by God. He went through stuff. He went through his difficulties. He faced his bears. He faced his lions. Okay, and it prepared him for that moment when, when, he, fa- when he... See, what happened to him when he saw that? Something rose up inside of him. It was that thing I was saying, something inside of him said, this is wrong. And we can't set back when we feel that, like this is not right. There's something wrong with this picture here. We're not, I'm not going to sit here and see this thing happen. I'm going to take action. And so you're going to get criticized by people. Your own heart's going to intimidate you. Things are going to be said to you. But David said, but he didn't finish there. He went to the people, person in charge and said, I can do this. No, you can't. You can't do it. Yes, I can. I can do it because I've already been out there. I've already faced things. I've already overcome things. I've already been through hell and back and I know I can take this guy because I have a testimony of what God's done. And so what I'm trying to say to people is, listen, people have been through hell. They have been drugged in. They've been beat. They've been stepped on. But it's for a testimony. It's God's preparation. If you could look back at your life and put God's glasses on just for a minute and look what you've gone through. You faced the bear. You faced the lion. You're still standing today. You're better than you were before. And it's what God is saying is, I have prepared people. I've made, I've equipped you. So whatever that thing is I'm going to put in your heart and those voices that are going to tell you, no, you, you can do it. You have to be like David. Yeah, I can do it. I can do it because I've done it. I've faced those things. I can take this guy on. And, of course, we know the end of the story. He took on the, the giant and defeated the giant and saved the nation. Okay? Saved the nation. Everybody say, save the nation. nation. See, God really wants to save the nation. And God wants to use people to save the nation. And God has put stuff in a lot of people in this room to save the nation. I know that sounds like a big thing, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm really, real convinced about it. There's a cause that God's calling the church, the body of Christ, into now. And I believe one of them is to save the nation. Because we're the body of Christ in this nation. That's what we're meant to do. And, and we have been through, this church has been through hell the last few years. Well, we've had a lot of good things. I've told somebody recently, I said, here's the way my life is. It's a bad mix of really being blessed and touched by the Lord and some terrible suffering. And I don't really have explanation for the suffering part and the terrible part, but I, I'm just happy for the other good stuff. I mean, that's just the Lord's mercy that I'm, and I'm glad I got that part. I'd be really dead by now, you know, you know, because God has blessed me so much. You know, I've been experiencing the Lord so much and continue to, but I've also, all of us have gone through some terrible suffering, gone through some deals, and individually we have. And so, but you see, it was all preparation. It was God preparing us. It was our lion and our bear. And that's why I'm starting to feel like something's... It's like there's a stretching on the inside. There's an enlargement on the inside. 
Because God has prepared. And I think one of the things he's saying to us, listen, the business of life itself, will let, those vines will wrap around you and keep you down. So you need to deal with the business of life. You need to deal with those, those uh, vines that have grown around you. You need to cut them off at the root, at least. And, you know, un- and I cut them off at the root. I started tracing them out and, you know, cutting them in different places, getting them out because it was killing the tree. It was pulling it, even though I couldn't get the main one out. But I will eventually because eventually it will rot because it's dead now. And see, we've got to cut those things. We've got to cut those things that have grown up around us. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, I've said this a few weeks in a row, is somehow or another, and I'm not, I didn't feel it today, thank you, Lord, is that spirit of criticism that people have. And I feel like God wants to break that out of our lives. That message, if you weren't here last Sunday, go back and listen to that message that Bonnie Jones gave our church about you get what you say. Matthew said he took it as a warning from the Lord. We all should take it as a warning from the Lord. But we also should take it as a positive from the Lord. That we begin, it's like we were talking about somebody, and we, I said, I don't know. Well, Becky actually said this. She said, I don't know, but I'm not saying anything bad about them. Because I don't want to get what I say. So I'm going to say something good about them. I'm going to see something good. I'm going to find something good. And that's what I'm going to say. I may not agree with what they're doing. I could say that ain't right what they're doing. But Lord bless them. They're having a hard time. God, they're a good person. They're good hearted. Whatever you can say, find something that's righteous to say. And I think that's really important right now. I think that's really a key for us. Is not to be the elder brother that wants to take a shot at everybody else around them that's, you know, that's really going after what they feel like God's put in them to do. And they may not be doing it well, and they may not be doing it perfect, but at least they're doing it. And they don't, we don't need a bunch of spectators around judging them and criticizing them. You know, we need to bless them. And if you can't bless them, it's like your mama probably told you, if you can't say anything good, just don't say nothing. Right? Just, just keep your mouth shut if you can't say anything good. Just, just don't even say anything. That way you're protecting yourself. Amen? So I really want to encourage people. I want to encourage you guys in here. I believe us as a church, I believe, and I mean other churches, it's all the same everywhere. It's been preparation. It's been our line and bear. It's, it's God, and God's going to call the church up. And the true David that's in us, the man, it's, it's not gonna, we're not going to be like righteous Lot, just righteous Lot who had to get drug out and drive. Let me drag your family out. You know, no, we're going to be like David who's going to come in and look around like, whoa, this ain't right. Something, we're going to do something about this. We're not going to just take this laying down. We're not going to just lay down on this thing. You know, and, 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 sing, and, and our lives are so busy, I don't have time. I don't, you know, I've got to make a living. I've got to do this. I've got my kids. I've got my, my friends. I've got this and that. You see, those are, are legitimate excuses and reasons, but we can't live like that in this hour. You know, we've got to rise above those things and say, Lord, I can't let the business of living keep me from fulfilling the calls that you want to release to me. Now, that's the truth. I know it's sort of hard to hear that, you know. And I'm saying it to myself because we all have the business of living. We all have to live in this world. And God wants to break off the survival thing off in people, okay? That's a thing that's on some people right now. You're just trying to survive. Like, good Lord, I, you're talking about a cause. Man, I, my cause is if I can just get through the day. If my cause is if I can just pay the rent that's going to be due in a couple of weeks. You know, but God wants to break us out of that. You know, because we're called to be overcomers. The other thing I really felt that was really that would really help us is self is getting rid of self pity. You know, is that a lot of us have self pity on them. 
You know, we're, we're crying, about, crying in the soup about our lives or about what's not happening or whatever. And um, I think that's going to be really important to get rid of is self-pity. Is just renouncing self-pity. Saying, Lord, I refuse self-pity. I just refuse it. I refuse to have self-pity. You know, and Lord, I'm refusing to be so sunk in to my society and my life that I can't hear what you're saying about this society and my life. I can be like Lot, just tortured by it. You know, like I hate what's happening. You know, I hate what I'm hearing on the news. But that's it. It's like, you know, the devil will allow you to hate it until he, you start being moved by it. And you start like, it's, it's time to do something. i got to do something about it. i got to do something. God's calling me to do something. I don't know what it is, Lord. I gotta, you're going to have to fill that thing in me. You're going to have to fill it with some information. But I'm, I'm responding to you, Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I'm available. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stay the way I was. I'm available, Lord. Do something in me. I mean, that's stretching I feel. Start putting some information in there about... And my, my thing may not be like Paul's. Well, you know, Paul's was a preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, not to a nation, but to everybody who wasn't a Jew, to the rest of the world at that time. That was his, his great cause. Well, I'm, my cause, obviously, and your cause, obviously, not going to be that wonderful, that high of a cause. But who cares? Whatever, if it's a cause from God, if it's even a little thing, if it's a cause from the Lord, it's a worthy cause. And so there's, I'll just tell you the rest of you know, there's you got to have a cause, okay? And I'll talk to you later about this. This is a tricky one. The other thing he talks about is I was a prisoner of the Lord. Ooh, I was a prisoner of the Lord. That's a scary thought. We're so we're so we're so freedom. <laughs> and Paul's saying I was a prisoner of the Lord. That's a very, there's a lot of revelation in that one little statement. And then the third thing he said was, I received revelation about this mystery. In other words, you, can, you gotta, that's what I'm saying. The cause, the thing I feel is God is opening us up. He's stretching, he's stretching, the inside stretching. Okay? But there's also this, this binding that he wants to put on our lives. That we will become prisoners of him. Okay? And the third thing is, if you don't have revelation... <laughs> from heaven, <laughs> you can't do it. Forget having a you know the revelation is what fills that place, and God's releasing revelation. There's a lot of mysteries of God that still have not been shown yet. Okay, in fact, read Revelations 10. There were seven thunders, and in the Bible, a thunder is a voice from heaven that were released. And John wanted to write them down, and he said, "No, don't write them." Okay, that means there's revelation mysteries that God has not released to mankind yet. That mystery of Christ has been released. It was, it was been from, there's a bunch of different mysteries. And, and you see, but now God is looking for people that are really very interested in the mysteries of heaven. That, w- that He can begin to release those mysteries to. And entrust those mysteries with. And those, here's the people He's going to do it with. They have a cause. They're a prisoner of the Lord. And then they can receive it. Because He don't, God is not going to just re- throw them things out there randomly. It's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Here's, let me just tell you this other thing. Are y'all okay? This is another thing Bob Jones was telling me. This, he told me at lunch Sunday. He said, this, this is a great thing that God is doing about what we say we get. He said, but let me warn you about this one thing. Your words can become very dangerous 
Your words can be, not just you're going to get the negative, you can really cause harm with your words. Real harm. And you need to really get a revelation about your words. Okay? And he mentioned Acts 5. Okay? The people who carried your husband out are at the door. And they're carrying you out. Those words killed that woman. You see what I'm saying? Now, that's walking in a high level of authority right there and power. But God wants to release that to the body of Christ. But He's not going to just release it if we're just a, being immature. And, you know? And that's really what, being, that, that's what makes Christianity wonderful and interesting. Of having a dynamic, effective Christian life. And then we're no longer we're not bored. We're not coming to church to try to get something. We're coming to church. We're blow, You know, we want to blow the roof off the black place. We co- we're bringing something. I'm not coming to get. I'm coming to blow something. Maybe one one Sunday out of a few, I need to come and get because I'm just so wore down and beat up from the week. I've been punched in the belly. But the majority of the time, we need to be coming carrying that we got something alive in us. We've got to release this somehow. I've got to find a place where I can go and be with other people and just release this thing and worship and praise and just get wild with God and let this power come out of me in a, in a worshipful atmosphere. And that's why a lot of Christians are frankly, honestly bored with church. Because they're looking for somebody else to do this thing for them. And, and, and the Lord is saying, I've called you. You're carrying you're supposed to be carrying. All righty. Did you want to say something, honey, to end? I can't end this. I don't know what to do, honestly. This morning, uh, when I, I, I never know what Byron's preaching, but it's funny, the Lord a lot of, often will give me things that go along. But this morning, I woke up here in Don Potter's song that says, I've decided I'm going to take the land. I have decided... I'm going to make my, take my stand. I have decided thus far and no more. I'm going to pick up my sword and fight in the name of the Lord. And so I really feel that this morning. So won't you guys just stand up? And let's uh, repeat that, okay? I have decided. I'm going to make a stand. I have decided. I'm going to take the land, take back my land. I have decided thus far and no more. I'm going to take up my sword and fight in the name of the Lord. So I really feel like right now the Lord really wants us to receive those causes. You know, I know the Lord spoke to me just a few weeks back and said, Becky, you, you can save you know, this one little spot right here in the world, or you can save a nation. Take your choice. And so the enemy's got us really busy just trying to save our own lives. Or we can save a nation. And, you know, what we did in prayer this week is going to save a nation. What we did in that room right there is going to save a nation. That's really what's going to do it. If you can't do anything else, you can go to that room... And you begin crying out to the Lord to save our nation. And I don't care how old you are, how young, you can save a nation by going into your prayer closet. That within itself is a cause that God has called us all to. And it's just time for us to say this one more time. I have decided. 
I'm taking back my land. I have decided I'm going to make a stand. I have decided thus far and no more. I'm going to stand up and fight in the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 This is a song that uh, Kevin wrote just a while back. I remember the first time I heard it. Something in my spirit jumped. And the words to the song are just so precious and so dear. Now I just want him to release that. And just allow the Holy Spirit just to touch your heart, to touch your spirit. And these words that Byron preached, that, they will have, that the Lord will deposit a vision in you for a cause that you may go forth in the power of the kingdom. And He promises you that He will back you up. He's not going to leave you hanging. He will back you up. You know, He will back you. Heaven is for us. The, the cloud of witnesses always, always cheering for us. They see us go through this stuff and they cheer for us continuously. And there was a time that I actually heard the cloud of witnesses sing. I was down a morning show. It was incredible. Just the power that's just being released. Because it does say, together with all of them, we'll be able to enjoy everything that the Lord has for us. Together with them, not just us, but together with them. So these things that the Father did not release intentionally, so that together with, its, with the cloud witnesses, we can enjoy this great inheritance that we have out of the Father's heart. Amen? And then we're going to pray for people too, you know. Yeah, if we could get ministry team people up. Do you have something to Matthew? Just got one word of knowledge that was sent to me. Um, numbness in the toes. Or the toes, um, they believe it was on the left foot. But any numbness in the toes, you know, the Lord just wants to heal you this morning. So come on up. We just want to get some prayer team people. We want to cut some vines off this morning of people. To really be able to get that cause. Every one of us have a cause burning in us. It's there, but the vine is constricting and choking it. So we want to release you. And I'm going to tell you, particularly for older people, where you feel like your life's done, there's no cause anymore, we want to really pray for you. The Lord still has a lot of cause and purpose in your life. So um, I want to get that released. I'm really feeling fire on that. Really, just feel the Lord coming on that. If you're feeling dim, let's release it. 